The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is Brown. On the phone with me is my partner in crime. I call him Jonesy. You call him Mr. Mike Jones. What's happening, my friend? Ah, oh, man. I'm surviving. One day at a time at this point. Every time I talk to you, that carries a different meaning. You know, we did a show maybe about three weeks ago. And if you would have told me, hey, man, you take it a day by day, you survive. And we, you know, I, I would have thought you were talking about the COVID. You were talking about, you know, coronavirus. Uh, that's still included. Yeah, and that's still a thing. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I know people, you know, businesses people are opening up. about it. Other issues have come to the forefront, but. Yeah, coronavirus is still a thing. It's, you know, keep washing your hands, you know, wear the mask, do what you got to do. Stay out of people's faces. However, you know, in the last couple of weeks, you know, surviving, surviving and taking it day by day has taken a new meaning. Um, it's, it, it's been crazy, man. It, it just things going on in the world today. Of course, I'm talking about the tragic death of George Floyd and the aftermath of what happened to him. You, you know, you saw it like I saw it, you know, where, as far as this is concerned, and, and we're going to talk about this and I understand, you know, we, we do a lot of we do a lot of talking about sports. We'll get to the sports, but sometimes life transcends sports. So we're going to start with life today. You saw what happened. What, you know, what did you think when you watched that happen? When you watched the aftermath, when you watched the story of George Floyd's tragic death? Well, Unfortunately, and yes, I I do say and mean unfortunately, I saw the video. I wish I had not seen the video. I wish the video didn't exist, not because I don't want the person to have recorded it. I wish it didn't happen. I am not ashamed to admit that over the course of the past couple weeks, less more less recently than a couple weeks ago, but I've as a grown man, I've cried recently. Understood. Just, and there is so much to discuss so much to unpack when you look at the situation. But there are a few things that I want to say and then I'm going to give you the floor to say anything you feel like you need to say or we could discuss as you want to discuss, JB. But there, there are a couple things I want to get off my chest first. So if you'll allow me a little room to, 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 to just... Not ramble, but to go for a minute or two. Understood. You I got the floor. It. Understood. You got the floor. So, 
I've heard a lot in reference to let's honor George Floyd. This is in remembrance to George Floyd. This is about George Floyd. Or this is dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. Let me be very, 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 very clear. And let me be quite specific in how I say this. This is about George Floyd, but it is about so much more than George Floyd. George Floyd was the tip of the sword that the public's conscience got poked with, but the whole rest of the sword is all out there behind it. If you get my analogy, there there were hundreds of years of abuse, mistreatment, of injustice, slavery, rape, murder, families being dismantled, and all manner of other atrocities that were gone unanswered for that have been intentionally committed in order to belittle and degrade an entire group of people for essentially no reason at all other than someone's insecurity. So to say this is about George Floyd is, in my mind, misleading. That was the, like, the expression, the straw that broke the camel's back, it's not actually the one straw that breaks the camel's back. It's the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of straws piled up until that one just takes you over the breaking point. So, so yeah, it's about George Floyd, but it's about everyone, everyone else that was murdered unjustly, everyone else that was treated unjustly. The even just a couple days prior to what happened with George Floyd, the Amy Cooper situation, how many times have black men just been the easy target to say, oh, a black man did it. And, and that's all it takes to get his life to come to a stop because he's in jail for however long or something. He's telling the world he didn't do but no one will listen to him because of what he looks like. All of these things are what brought this to a head and to a tipping point. So while I hear people say, well, the rioting has to stop, the looting has to stop, this, this is dishonor. You're not hearing me say right, rioting is right or looting is the right way to go. You're not hearing me say that's the way to achieve the desired goal. But if you're not listening when people try to discuss the problem with you, eventually, if the problem persists, they're going to have to find another way to let you know it's a problem. And right or wrong, America is listening right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... That, that's the first thing I want to say. Mm -hmm. 
Now, part two is a, a little along that line, but there is a person I know, person who I had a for years a good relationship with. You know, at no point did we ever have any misunderstandings, discrepancies, or had I had either of us treated each other in a way that was less than desirable. That being said, I'm going to read something to you. Mind you, this this person is is a Caucasian. This is, this is a, a Facebook post they read. I'm not going to say the person's name, right. but I am going to read this post. And I want to address some things that are in this post. That's the only reason I'm reading it. Okay. Black lives matter. Sure. Absolutely. So do whites, reds, pinks, yellow, browns, etc. So why is it that we make something exclusive if the end is goal is unification? What does exclusivity have to do with unity and how are they compatible? Why is it racist to call for the equal treatment of all human beings? I've heard all sorts of arguments surrounding BLM, Black Lives Matter, and they are BS. There's no consistency to the BLM, Black Life Matters movement. If they truly cared about black lives as they proclaim, they'd be protesting every day in places like Chicago. Let's look at some facts. And then he goes on to list some, some statistics. Approximately 90% of all black homicides are committed by other blacks. Inner city violence in black communities is absurdly higher than that of other communities. Half of all other nationwide homicides are committed by blacks while making up only 15% of the population. Africa, where there's currently minimal white, white people, is one of the least developed and poorest continents in the world. And abortion rates are almost five times higher in the black community. My feelings were hurt when I read this post. There's more, but I'm going to stop there. Because what I want to address is these specific facts that he brought up. Quote, unquote, facts. And you, how many times have you heard me when we're talking about sports say numbers without context can, can, are misleading? I can yeah. give you numbers yeah. to prove almost anything if I don't but you have to actually understand what's yeah. going on. Yeah, whoever said this you know, is one of the whoever said numbers don't lie. You know, numbers lie. don't lie, but the people using them do. Okay, fair enough. That's how I. That's how mm -hmm. I say it. The numbers don't lie, but the people using them do. Okay, so let's start with approximately ninety percent of black homicides are committed by black people. Close to 85% of homicides among white people are committed by white people. And every other race has a similar number or higher because that's who people are around. So to, to make it seem like, well, blacks kill other blacks, so crimes are usually a matter of passion and opportunity. So to portray it as though the blacks are doing something so disproportionate compared to what everyone else, that that's BS. Move on to the next one. Over half of all nationwide homicides are committed by blacks. 
while making up only 15% of the population. I'm going to ask one real question, and then we'll move on. How easy has it historically been proven to say, like, a white person does something and then they say, or they don't want to get in trouble for something they did, oh, this black guy did it. Or they don't, the true story of whatever happened, they find embarrassing or shameful. So, oh, this big black guy did it. How many false arrests and false convictions have happened to black men because of these very things? And if you think my point is wrong, let me bring up Amy Cooper again. She was in no danger, but she felt quite confident that if she called the police and said, there's a black man attacking me, that the police would come and deal with the situation promptly. And all it took to say was the words, black man attacking me, I'm a white woman. And they come, she expects them to come running. That's an expectation built into the culture because of the way that people have been treated for years. So don't tell me half the murders are committed by black people. I, moving on. Because we, we have a show to do, so I'm going to keep moving. It's all good. Inner city violence in black communities is absurdly higher than that of other communities. What are the demographics like in inner city black communities? It's usually communities that have dealt with years of systematic oppression and racism, housing racism and housing racism and jobs and finance and everything else. You're living in poverty with broken families and little hope. You go into poor white communities and crime rates are high too. That's a poverty issue. That's not a race issue. I continue. Africa, where there's currently minimal white people, is the least developed and poorest continent in the world. Why? Because everyone goes. How many, which, how many of those con continent, countries in that continent were allowed to operate independently over the last three, four hundred years and take advantage of their own resources? Diamonds come from Africa. They don't own the diamond industry. Oil comes out of Africa. They don't own the oil industry over there. And there are many other resources that come from there, which are, for whatever reason, owned by outside interests. So the benefit, the profit, the wealth that's generated by the resources of Africa are profiting places outside of Africa due to centuries of colonialism and outside people coming in who, because they had access to gunpowder first, felt that it was their destiny to expand to other people's lands and come in and steal, steal their land. So if these are the facts you want to spit, know what it is that caused these facts to take place. We will talk about abortion rates, talk about families that were intentionally destroyed and put into poverty so that even the thought of being able to try to afford to feed another mouth is so frightening that you're willing to consider things like abortion because you're, you're 
you know you cannot in this system support another life. So they put all these Planned Parenthoods in your community and say, we'll take care of you and and we'll do this. And and yeah, it's absolutely people's choice to do what they want if they're going to have an abortion or not. I'm not saying it's not. But there are factors that encourage higher rates other than it's black people. So let's just look beyond the surface and and throw numbers around. If I said, you know, who are the serial killers and mass shooters? Those aren't black people. You know, there's violence. There's there's enough sin to go around. The, The issue is not about one group being perfect or another group not being perfect. The issue was simply that all should be treated fairly and subject to the same justice and equal treatment. That's it. And and the reason you say black lives matter is, yes, all lives are supposed to matter. Yep. All my fingers matter. If one of them's broken... I'm not putting a split on all five of them. The, the broken one gets the split. You know, there's one, there is a community that has been broken. It has been beaten down and broken for far too long. And now that that community needs the split. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. You're speaking a word right now, man. You're definitely speaking a word. And I think everything that you're, what you're talking about, you know, it speaks to the debate over systematic racism. Because you hear the word systematic racism and people want to run from that discussion. People want to run from that talk. Because it's easy to think of racism as a bunch of guys, you know, a bunch of white men on horses with hoods calling people the N-word. You know, they don't want to think about, you know, how the system has been stacked against a particular group of people for generation after generation. And that's not to say that there are not poor white people. Course, I mean, you know, th- th- think th- about th- our president. As he, I'm a, Real quick, I'm going to let mm-hmm. you jump in. But I just want to throw this. Our president's father was known for as a real estate guy who would stamp the applications of black people with a C for housing in the corner. They put a C in the color and denote that they were colored. So he knew how to treat them accordingly. So, I mean, and, and that's, and, and that's These the, are the type of things. And, they and run you wonder that. why their communities are broken and they have high interest mm-hmm. targeted for high, bad, high interest rate, bad loans. And all, and all sorts of other things. But think about it. You give me a lower-paying job, and then you give me a, a house that needs all sorts of work at a high rate that I can't afford, and you wonder how why I don't prosper. It's too deep of a conversation right, I'm for sorry. that. I'm done. Go ahead. Nah, it's, 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 nah, it's too deep of a conversation for them. You know, they just want to say, hey, man, get a job. Why can't you pick yourself up like us? 
and, you know, to speak to what you've been talking about. And this is something that I've been talking about on the radio, you know, all week. It's like part of the problem is when you look at the aftermath of George Floyd's death, part of the problem is that we as a nation, we have, we're not all in the same place with our frustration. You know, for me personally, this is history repeating itself. You know, we've now seen we've now seen this a couple times before. Talked about 1988. If I can take you back real quick to 1988. That's when NWA debuted with Straight Outta Compton. Second song on that CD, or at that point you weren't buying CDs. Second song on that tape or album was a song called F the Police. Song starts with Ice Cube saying, F the police coming straight from the underground. Young brother got it bad because I'm brown. And not the other colors, colors, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. People were so up in arms over that song. It was anti-cop. You're calling for violence on police. That song was wrong. That song was obscene. But Ice Cube was telling a story. He's telling a story about police brutality in the black community. And what and and think about it for a second. How much how much do you think Ice Cube saw as a teenager? Because he wrote that song as a teenager. How much do you think he saw to get to the point where he was ready to write songs about this? He wrote a song. And people found every reason to disregard him to push it to the side, to trivialize it, to mischaracterize it. You know, nobody wanted to have a discussion about police brutality within the black community when Ice Cube and NWA came out with the song uh, F the Police. This is 1988. Fast forward three more years, and what happens? Rodney King is beaten by a bunch of police officers and somebody gets it on tape. Finally, people are, are in a position where they can see police brutality. The police brutality, a lot of people denied happening for years, especially within the three years since NWA came out with F the police. You see it. Here it is right there in front of you. This is what we've been talking about. But what happens? Four cops get acquitted. And L.A. burns. And people are upset. They're mad about the law, you know, the loss of business, the destruction, mm -hmm. the fires, the violence. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And the problem is your the anger of those people don't match the anger of the people that they're angry with. Why are we angry? Because we have now been telling you about this for years. You told us it didn't happen. You told us it didn't exist. You told us that we were being too, we were being unfair on cops. Meanwhile, the, this is what the cops are doing in our community. And you ignored us. 
What more proof did you need? We now have it on videotape for you all to see, and you still denied it. It's like I've heard this quote from Martin Luther King a lot within the past couple of weeks that the riot is the language of the unheard. I personally have been using that quote for a long time. I use that quote for Philando Castile. I use that quote for Freddie Gray. I use that quote for Michael Brown. The problem is, look, you know, no, I'm not condoning looters. No, I'm not condoning rioting. But the fact of the matter is the the, the rioters and the looters and the evil element that you are talking about got a foothold. They were able to take advantage of the anger from a portion of society, ignoring the complaints of another portion of the society. You know, to, to tie it in with, to tie it in with sports, you know, yes, this is what Colin Kaepernick was talking about three, four years ago. And people were, te- mm-hmm. people, and when, people were and telling when he him, talked about it. They said it was about the flag and everything else. Yes. He tried to tell him, no, there's a real problem. There, exactly. They try, he tried to tell them that this is a real problem. This is what's happening in America. But what did people say? Oh, his, you know, his message is anti-troops. His message is anti-flag. His message is anti-America. His message is anti-cops. And he kept saying over and over and over, no, it's not. It's not about that. It's about police brutality. And the thing is now, so many people want to, you know, you, you see all, you know, you see the race to put out the think pieces and the commentaries and the opinion and the op-eds. Oh, do we owe Colin Kaepernick an apology? Oh, is it time to say Colin Kaepernick was right? And it's like, no, it's time to address police brutality. If cops are going to keep on, if if police officers are going to keep on murdering and killing unarmed black people, Colin Kaepernick doesn't want your apology. Colin, yeah. Ka- Colin well, Kaepernick wants people to stop. He wants, he wants, he wants police officers what's to stop. Change. Yeah, he wants change. He doesn't want an apology. You know, it's like what type of change is going to come from this and that's probably you know you know i i think and 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 i've heard people say because because to me it's like i want at this point now it's like i i it's time to readdress the colin kaepernick conversation but it's time to readdress it in the nature that it was meant for and it's bigger than football. This is no longer about whether or not Colin Kaepernick belongs on the football field. Whatever happens, happens as far as his football career goes. However, Colin Kaepernick sacrificed his NFL career to call attention to police brutality and police mo- and police misconduct. At what point are we really going to address that? That's what we have to hope 
that this moment in our country's history brings about is some honest reflection and some genuine change. That that's what we have to pray for at this point. We, we can't let this opportunity be be wasted. And and on, honestly, I'm you know I I feel like you're hearing and you're starting to see some of the same the same rhetoric that got us to this point. You know, whether it was whether it was Drew Brees' initial comments and granted he walked them back and he went farther than walking them back. He publicly challenged people who people who agreed with his original message. Mm-hmm. Namely namely President Trump. You know, he didn't have to do that. As many people will tell you, he didn't have to walk it back. It might have made for it might have made for a different a difficult dynamic in the in the locker room, but he didn't have to walk it back. There were plenty of people who would have gotten his back. Let me ask you. A, let me ask you another question. Sure. What's up, Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. In his past, famously said, "Republicans buy sneakers too," and has often been criticized for not doing enough. In this moment, he absolutely came out and made what seemed to be a very emotional and heartfelt statement, and then went a step further and in between he and Jordan brand, there will be a $100 million, $100 million donation to help cause further causes of injustice and reform. I've heard from members of the black community on both sides of this, some saying it's good to see him start take a step up and start doing something, and others saying don't be fooled too little too late. I personally am on the side, if you want to, you know, the point of the protest is change. I'm not going to, at this moment, condemn someone when they show me a willingness to change. That's what we want. Do you think it's too little too late for Mike? No, not at all. I I I tend to agree with you. I'm not going to deny someone the opportunity to show some growth. I think honestly, you know what what we have what we have seen over the last 3 months with the absence of sports. I think we've all as a society have put our attention into certain things that we might not have all done before, whether, you know, it's like you see more people binge watching television shows, more people, you know, watching other events, more people doing different things. Now you and I, we sat here, we did what? Two, three podcasts talking about Mm -hmm. Jordan, the last dance. 
probably and, and 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 let's be real. I mean, we probably argued and debated it more than we would have argued or debated a television show had there been some sports on. You know, if, absolutely. You know, you and I sat there, had a whole, you know, pretty much did a, a, an entire show arguing about Jordan: The Last Dance. And you, you know, know that's a conversation we typically try to avoid because it's been overdone. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think honestly, because we're all, you know, because we don't have sports as that distraction, we don't have all the different sports that can pull us all in different directions. You know, we all sat and watched. You know, most of most sports fans all sat and watched that documentary together. And we all had Twitter and we all had Facebook and other social media outlets to voice our opinion. And since there was nothing else to talk about, the opinions were a whole lot louder than they might than they might have been normally. So I think, you know, they touched on, you know, Jordan as a young player and as a young brand, not wanting to delve into things like politics and people had their opinions and you know right or wrong fair or foul they touched on it and they touched on different people's opinion of Jordan's stance like I understand that you know this part of you know Jordan had a hand in the production of this documentary so they weren't going to they weren't going to show him in too bad of a light. But there were some, you know, they did touch on some subjects. And Jordan's unwillingness to jump into politics and social issues was something that they talked about. So to me, I think Michael Jordan, someone who probably would come second to his his need for competition is his his how is how immersed how you know how focused he is on his image he is somebody you know what people think of him is important to him so here he is now having here he is having taken a beating. It's like, maybe, you know, I'm not going to say that that makes this donation disingenuous or it's fake or it's cosmetic. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is maybe it lends a little bit more into what you were saying. Hey, you know, maybe this may, maybe seeing the flack that he's getting that he maybe seeing the flack that he, he received now, 20 to 25 years after he made that comment had an effect on him. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe that's, ask you, a question, you know, maybe that's what drove him yeah. to make that, uh, make that, uh, to make that choice. And, and, you know, if it's, and I'm not going to hold that against him. Let me ask you a question. JB. Mm-hmm. You, you, sir, are a married man, correct? Yes. Okay. Now as a married man, have you ever done in your marriage 
something that without even realizing it, or maybe you did, but for whatever reason, you did something. So, you know, let's say without realizing it. All right, now. You no, did no. something. Now don't get me in trouble, man. Your wife. No, I'm, I, don't <laughs> need, I don't need details. Uh, yes or no. Did, have you ever done something without realizing it that made your wife upset? Oh, yes. Yes. Almost every day. That's that's just what marriage is and, about. And her letting you know about it helped, helped you realize what you were doing. And in the long term, actually, assuming you love your wife, and I believe mm-hmm. you do, yeah, helped right. you make some adjustments that helped you all have a better relationship going mm-hmm. forward. Correct? Yes. And I... And I'd be willing to say vice the same applies for her with in dealing with you as well. Mm-hmm. When you let each when you communicate and let each other know what the problem is, then you can grow and move forward. Yes. This is that moment for a lot of people where they're actually hearing the communication. It's a shame that it had to be yelling at a fight for it to happen. Like, sure, man, it, I wish it could have we could have just had a conversation instead of having to argue. But the argument was good for us. Mm-hmm. We got some things out we needed to get out. We learned some things we needed to go move forward. And then as long as we love each other, we can move forward. Mm-hmm. So. No, I mean, no, I, 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 it's like, I, 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 I get what you're saying because you know, that, that that's very true. Now I'll, I'll even, you know, I, I can give an example without telling, without telling my business. But, you know, it's like when when you get married, when you get married, you make sacrifices, you make personal, you you make personal sacrifices because you are no longer a single entity. There's no longer a you know, there's no longer a me. There's a we. So how you move as a single person isn't necessarily how you move as a married person and I you know to, to to give an example like one time when early in my early in our marriage I was working late I was later into the evening it was still early evening and there was a meeting I was supposed to go to but it was an optional meeting and I decided because it was early, because it was an early, uh, because it was early in the evening, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to this meeting. So I'm gonna go to the meeting, you know, the meeting itself, la- you know, it starts in the early evening, but it lasts until late in the evening. So I'm now getting home around nine thirty, ten o'clock. I never called. Didn't call, didn't say anything. Because I'm thinking like I'm, you know, I'm thinking like I'm single. You know, I'm grown. I, you know, I'll do whatever I want. And when I got home, you know, it, 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 and when I got home, pardon my laughter. Yeah, you know, no, it, it, it's, 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 it's definitely one of those things. You know, looking back, you're like, ah, oh, 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 yeah, I, 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 you know, you know, it, 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 like. 
like, like in your youth. Yeah, in in my youth, I'm I'm thinking, you know, it's like, well, I got, you know, I, it didn't even occur to me. And confident. Yeah, it didn't even occur to me that the, you know, you know, it it, it didn't even like it didn't even dawn on me. That that's what I should have that done. This could be an issue where I should at least call and say I'll be yeah. out till mm-hmm. 9 30, 10 o'clock at work. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the thi- thought of someone sitting at home expecting you didn't mm-hmm. cross your mind. Didn't cross all. my mind at all. Didn't cross my mind at all. And remember, you know, it's like I, I have two stepsons. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is not this is not even now just my wife is at home not knowing where I am for a couple of hours. This is my wife and and kids at home, not knowing where I am for a couple of hours. So needless to say, when I got home, you know, (laughs) I got an earful. I I got an earful and I will admit that at the, you know, at the initial conversation, I did not understand the anger. I did not get it. It did. It did not take long for it to dawn on me. What I did wrong and moving forward, that's now, you know, that's something I am more mindful of. And at this point now, you know, now that I've been married 14 years, I pretty much call with every move I make. Like, baby, I'm in the office. I'm about to go to the bathroom. If you need me, I'll be in the restroom. I'm about to go upstairs to this vending machine. But but no, no, but nonetheless, you know, to, to the point of Michael Jordan, you know, people change. You know, like you said, people change. And sometimes seeing your misstep, seeing the reaction to your misstep prompts change. Now, I don't know Michael Jordan from a can of paint. You know, I you know I know his game. I know whatever, but you know, I don't know. You know, neither of us knows him personally. Yeah, yeah, we don't know him personally. But it's like, I, I to to me, I, I'm I'm not a person. I'm not such a skeptic that I can't take things at face value. So here is an opportunity where an egregious act was caught. And then broadcasted all over the country, all over the world. And the ripple effects have been devastating from, you know, it's a jarring moment. And it's like, it's, you know, here is a person, you know, here, here's a person to a, a, a much lesser extent. It's like a month ago, all eyes were on Michael Jordan. And now Michael Jordan is alongside the rest of us with our all with our eyes on George Floyd. And here's his he's now been presented with an opportunity. Hey, this is something that I can do. Here's I can do something. In the past, he might not, you know, in the past he might have not wanted to touch it. But look where Michael Jordan has been. You know, as much as, you know, as much as so many of Jordan's fans do, Michael Jordan doesn't hate LeBron. 
but he sees how LeBron works. He sees how LeBron has been active and vocal and his brand is still doing pretty well. We all just lost Kobe. Michael, Michael loved Kobe. Kobe was vocal as well. So you, you see what has happened. You see, here's, here's a time, here's an opportunity to be a voice. And we've now, we all as a, you know, as a society watched Jordan as a youth, a young adult, young man kind of flinch at the opportunity 25, 30 years ago. Now he has an opportunity. Now he has a chance to do something. So it's like, no, I'm not like, it's too little, too late. There are programs that could use a hundred million dollars. Well, no, I was going to say, nah, Jordan, keep your money. If I'm a program, if, if I run a program that teaches young people their rights, Am I going to look down my nose at Michael Jordan's hundred million dollars? No. The people who are criticizing Michael Jordan for this are doing exact are doing some sort of what we're doing right now. Just talking about it. Ain't nobody with a program that's going to help young people going to turn away that money, nor should they. So for me, it's like, yeah, you know, what? if Jordan wants to help, let him help. If he's doing it for all the wrong reasons, that's going to come out. And we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But for right now, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Cuba Gooding Jr. Show me the money. Let's, you know, let's, 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 let's bring about this change, man. Let's, br- let's bring about the change. And on to your point about bring about the bringing about change. I would say, in that spirit, let's try to have open hearts and be willing to accept it when people show us an effort at change Mm -hmm. rather than just pulling up every bad thing they've done in the past Mm. and and hanging them for it. Because if if what we want is change, we have to actually be willing to accept the change. It's yeah. not always going to be easy or pretty at the start. There'll be awkward missteps along the way, of course. But if the effort at change is genuine, let's try to make a genuine effort to accept it. Okay. Well, the words live by. With, with that said, let's, let's take a quick break and oh. then come back and actually try to talk a little sport. What sports? Ain't, ain't, ain't no sport. What are we going to talk about? Korean baseball or something? <laughs> You'll find out on the other side of this break. All right, well, let's take a real quick break. and we, we will be right back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. That is Jonesy. My name's Brown. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. James Lewis. I've never lived in a city like Phoenix where the downtown is not the center of the city. 
the what's popping is out in Scottsdale. <laughs> That's where everything's popping. That's where all the five star restaurants clubs are. are in Scottsdale. The best clubs in towns are in Scottsdale. The best mm. spas are in Scottsdale. If anything, they need to build the arena in Scottsdale and move everything from downtown out to Scottsdale. Yeah, they building the then white castles. A, then you have an elite in franchise. Scottsdale. Next to them, next to them, carved houses in Camelback Mountain. That's where everything is popping to me, from what I've White seen castles in my two years. It's uh, coming to yeah. Scottsdale. I will be there. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Next in to the, Scottsdale. Next to the spot is like eight hundred dollars. It don't matter. It <laughs> don't matter. I'm up, I'm up in that right. piece. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I'm little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. I go by the name of Brown. On the phone is my man Jonesy, a.k.a. Mike Jones. Mike, you've been you've been stuck in the crib for a little while, man. How is how is your haircut game right now? <laughs> Sharp. You cut your own hair, don't you? Yeah. See, no one else has touched my hair since January of two thousand and one. That's crazy. Now, look, man. I, I have to admit, I do not trust myself. With some clippers. I am not somebody who can cut. I don't like to cut my own hair. I have not. Well, I'll put it to you like this. It it has gotten desperate. And this is how desperate it has gotten for me. I I did something that I have not done since the ninth grade. I sat down. No, 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 no. I have not done that yet. My wife doesn't want me to shave my head. I'm I am willing to give that a try. But my wife doesn't want me to shave my head. She doesn't want the ball she doesn't want bald head John. She's not she's not a fan of bald head brown. She doesn't want to see that. However, I did something I haven't done since the ninth grade. I sat down in the kitchen and I let my father cut my hair. And <laughs> and and look, you know what? He did an adequate job. He tightened okay. up. He he, you know, he tightened up the back of my neck because, quite frankly, the you know the back of my neck had a beard. You know, it <laughs> it, it, it was it, it was almost getting to the point where it looked like the hair on the back of my neck was coming around and joining my beard. So he helped me. He helped me out. He tightened that up. Now he didn't give me no lineup. You know, because, you know, God bless my dad, but he's 72 years old. Did want to give him, you know, I, I, I want him to give him, <laughs> did want to give him the, the, the clippers and, you know, get, you know, get my hairline. But he did tighten me up a little bit, bring the beard down a little bit because I, oh, bro, I, I was looking homeless. 
Now, granted, not, at this point now, I, I look like I've gone from, I don't look homeless anymore, or at least I don't look like I slept on the street. I at least look like I slept at, uh, at a shelter or something. But it's, it's, it's coming on. I'm about to throw, I'm, I'm, I'm still about to throw caution in the wind. You know, just call up somebody I know who cuts hair, be like, look, man, you just got to come get me. You know, we gotta sit. Oh, we, gotta, we gotta sit out on. We gotta sit out on on the porch or something. You gotta wear some rubber gloves or something. You know, it 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 it, it might be time. I mean, ho- uh, hopefully, only you knew somebody who cut hair. Yeah, well, well, look. <laughs> shout out to Toot, but Toot said that he's not cutting hair till barbershops are opening back up. And then by then, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, by then I'm telling Toot gonna be charging like two hundred dollars for a cut. You know, I, I, I'm gonna figure it out somehow. But it, 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 the struggle is real, man. The struggle is real. I can't cut my own hair. Last time I tried to cut my own hair, I, all I did was try to line up my beard. All I wanted to do was line up my beard, and I went to the barber shop a couple weeks later after I did it, and my barber said my beard looked like a lie detector test. And I never did it again. I've never touched uh, my own man. hair with clippers I, ever I again. What's up? I am generally upset when in between haircuts, one of my clients will try to shape himself up or mm-hmm. do something like that. Yeah, that, that generally upsets me. Yeah, I I, so, I, I get, get where your barber was coming mm-hmm. from. From then, from then on out. From then on out, the only person, like pretty much from that conversation, and that conversation might have been a good 10, 12 years ago to a couple of weeks ago when my father cut my hair. Nobody has touched my hair with, with, with clippers but him. That's just how it is. And right now, I, I'm almost at that point where almost anybody can touch my hair with some clippers if they just give me a, a, a decent shape up or something. It, it, the struggle is real. The struggle is so real. Either way, that was a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rambling, but that's what happens when you ain't got no sports to talk about. But things are changing, man. Plans are being set. Sports is coming back. Namely, the association. The National Basketball Association has a plan in place to bring basketball back. You, my friend, Mike Jones, Michael Jones. You fancy yourself a basketball fanatic? You are are a basketball guy? You have heard the plan? You know that a date is set. How excited are you about basketball returning? It's better than nothing. Is that how you really see it? Better than nothing? That, that That's what it is? I'm happy to have some sort of sport, but the interruption in the season makes it feel like almost as if it was like a strike season or I don't want to call it tainted, but 
Like there's an asterisk next to it. You know? Yeah. Sure, you won in the 50-game season, but what would have happened in the 80-game season? Mm-hmm. You know, those extra 30 games could have changed all of it for people. Now I've, I've I've heard that, and I want to I want to I want to throw out this perspective to you because I, I heard somebody kind of respond to that, and they said, you know, "Whoever wins the NBA championship this year will have had to deal with, you know, a work stoppage in effect, which is basically what happened because of because of a pandemic, but it was a it was still a work stoppage. You're now going to play." You know, the loss of your home season. All the games are going to be played in Orlando. For the most part, these teams will be separated from the fans, separated from their families, and then playing into a time that usually is their off season. And that's not to even, you know, that's not to even mention how this is going to affect next season. What is the off season going to? How is the 2020, 2021 season going to work? If we're starting in the end of, I think basketball is supposed to start in the end of July and go into October. Well, well, the plan is the latest possible date for Game Seven of the NBA Finals will be October twelfth. The draft would then occur on October, I believe it was the fifteenth. And then you'd be looking at November training camps for a December 1st start of the following season. Those are the dates as laid out by the NBA in the plan that was recently approved by the Board of Governors. And I believe the players ratified it as well. I'm not sure, but I believe they did. So I understand the notion of that is better than nothing. But what does that, how does that, how does that grab you? That say you do go to a game seven final, which you said that was October 12th. Mm-hmm. And so you basically then have a month and a half before this next season starts, maybe a month before training camp starts a month and a half, you know, let you know, let, Let's say, you know, we'll say we're talking to Lakers. That's what, 36, 37-year-old LeBron playing into October only to start again next season? And next season, do you have it? Do you play 82 games? Or is is next season a shortened season as well? Well, the next season... I don't think they've officially announced a plan for that, but I'd have to assume with the aversion to back to back these days and players doing load management, you're more likely to see an abbreviated season as well next year, especially with them planning still to have the Olympics in 2021 that were scheduled to have been this year, the Summer Olympics, so let's not forget those. So I do think there will be some effort to try to accommodate that. So 
I'm thinking a possibly 65-70 game type season, but who knows for sure. Uh, Definitely, who knows for sure. But now, in your eyes, who does, like, is there a team that jumps out at you right now that you think will benefit from this system the most? Or do you think when they tip it up in the end of July, it's going to be anybody's game? That's the interesting part. No, I really, really don't. I think this situation absolutely favors veteran teams, teams who are experienced, guys who are more familiar with the type of work it will be necessary to get their bodies ready. And let's be honest about it, guys who are probably in their second or third contracts are more likely to have home real home gyms than guys on their rookie deal. So a team like the L, either of the LA teams where Kawhi load manages a lot, Paul George is rehabbing from some injuries at the earlier in the year, or LeBron James, who's 35 years old. And for me, Molly question with him was, how healthy will he be coming down the stretch considering how hard and how intensely he had been playing this season. He wasn't taking games off, and he was playing, I believe, on pace to be at a career high for minutes. So at this age, how would his body have held up? Whereas now I expect for a guy like that, him to come in fresh and be ready to play. So, I, at this point, think it absolutely favors those two teams more than anyone else. But in, in the East, you don't necessarily have that. You know, you got young teams like Milwaukee, young teams like Philly, young team. you know, Toronto has some youth, but they still, you know, they still got Kyle Lowry. They still, there's still a, a, a veteran presence there. Boston is a Boston, fairly young team. Milwaukee's a young yes. team. Philly's a young team. You look, you look up, up and down that you know, may, maybe the most veteran laden team right now, maybe Miami. You know, and that's yeah. The, so, to me, it's like Miami probably has the most veterans and the most capable veterans. You know, with with Jimmy Butler and that group. However, do you feel like in the case of Miami, you know, that veteran presence can work in their favor as far as them getting to the conference finals? Not, you know, not to even mention the NBA finals. We're talking the conference finals. Yeah, so it the east it look when you're looking at the east, mm-hmm. I think the east is a crapshoot because you have a situation where the most talented teams are the youngest teams, 
and young teams don't generally win at a very high level in the NBA basketball. Your basketball prime, you've heard me say this before, is usually somewhere in that 27 to 32 range. And a lot of these teams have their best player at 24 to 26. Giannis and B, Ben, you know, all these guys, Tatum, Jalen Brown, all, all these guys are still young, developing players, learning how to win and have some playoff experience, but not a whole lot. You know, quick flashback to the last dance reference. Michael Jordan, who many of us think is the greatest ever, didn't win for the first six, seven years of his career. He was 28 when he got his first championship. LeBron was... 28 when he got his first championship. He didn't win for the first several years of his career. He's the other person who people argue is arguably the greatest ever. Kobe won early, but he had a prime Shaq with him who didn't win for the drafted in 92, won in 2000. The first, he didn't win the first seven years of his career. You know, this is the way basketball works. Well, people like, well, Kawhi won when he was young. Kawhi won when he was young, when he had proven winners with him in Ginobili and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. Mm -hmm. So, honestly, if you ask me, the East is irrelevant when it comes to the finals. But as far as who comes out of the East, it's anybody's guess. Yeah, it's it's, it's, you it's have wild. No idea how yeah. this situation will affect these young teams. You know, you have who no was able to stay in shape, who was able to stay focused who's able to get geared back up to play in eight regular season games and be ready for a playoff series. These are all big question marks in the East. Big question. Can I – could you allow me a, a, a brief moment to just to, – to, to speculate on something? Feel free. All right. And I just – I want your opinion because I don't want to necessarily I'm, – I'm not trying to necessarily start something. But does it concern you, being a Philly guy, that we have not necessarily seen Joel Embiid since this all this all transpired? We've heard from him, but we have not seen him. I've heard rumors that he's trim and in shape, but. Anytime Joel Embiid is off the court for an extended period of time, I'm concerned mm -hmm. because he is a guy who has shown himself to not stay in the best condition when he is away from the court. Mm -hmm. And when he's out of shape, you can tell in his game. So it's absolutely fair to be concerned about concerned about Embiid's conditioning right now. Like we we. I mean, here's the, like, we have not seen him at all. You know, there's been may, maybe one or two statements, but, to, you know, no, no social media videos, nothing, no interviews. We have not seen Joel Embiid in months. And, the, and once again, I, I, I'm throwing this out here as pure speculation, but season ends you know the season ends abruptly there was a story that came out that 
two people within the organization tested positive for the coronavirus. And this comes out after the Sixers played a team where a a player who played in the game tested positive for the coronavirus. And then for months, no Joel Embiid. And there was never any further comment from the Sixers or the organization as far as who who exactly tested positive, what happened, what's going on. All I know is I have not heard from Joel Embiid in months. But that is the thing. The Sixers, they didn't say a member of the team. They said members of the organization, yeah. which so, could be anyone could from be the anybody. janitor to mm-hmm. the secretary to could absolutely be anybody. So to speculate, because you haven't heard much from many of the Sixers during this this downtime, but, other than Tobias Harris, who's been rather vocal in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I can't say I recall hearing from any of the Sixers. I've heard stuff from Ben Simmons' people about him being ready to play and mm-hmm. apparently think he he's going to shoot this time, but you know <laughs> I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. I, I I've if, if if I may channel my inner sunshine Anderson, I've heard that all before. But mm-hmm. but, but I, I guess the thing is, it's like yeah, you, you know, I, I heard from you know you heard from Tobias Harris recently with with the with the social issues going on with, with the, with the protests and the rallies and the marches you've heard from Tobias Harris. You've heard from Matisse Thibel. I've heard, you know, I've, uh, when, uh, when Michael Rubin had started that all in challenge with all the different athletes and celebrities, you heard from Ben Sim, you heard from Ben Simmons, the one guy that I have not heard from at all. I haven't heard a peep from is Joel Embiid and and it's not just and I'm not just throwing out there you know did he did he, you know like coronavirus rumors you know I'm I'm not just afraid of that I'm afraid he's going to come back looking like Sean Kemp you remember you remember how he came back after the uh, oh uh, what clean Sean Kemp looked like yeah you know Sean Kemp that looked like you know remember they uh uh, NBA season went to a lockout. Not the Rain Man. No, no, not the well, Rain not Man. Talking about the Rain Man. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about Cleveland the Ra- I'm talking, yeah, Cleveland Sean Camp. I'm not talking about the Rain Man. I'm, I'm talking about the Round Man. When he came back, looking like all he was dunking was donuts. You know that, that or or he could go in a complete opposite direction and just come back all swole like he was in jail or something. Like he's just been doing nothing but sitting in his apartment pumping iron. This just is like my mind is wandering because in the end, it's been months since I've heard from Joel and B. So who knows? No, he's he's now. I don't think Joel and has been this big of an X factor since that first two seasons that he sat on the bench because he was hurt. When you didn't know what you were going to get with him. We have not heard from Joel Embiid in months. Not no tweets, not no Instagram posts, nothing. That man has been for real. 
When that man went off the grid, he went off the grid. Somebody do a wellness check on this dude. Call him, write him a letter. Somebody, if you know him, stop by his crib. Where is Joel Embiid? I do not know, man. And and as, and as we begin to now wrap our minds around the fact that basketball is coming back, the NBA is going to return. That's going to be a thing. Their NBA professional basketball is going to be played in a little over a month and a half. The fran- Let me ask you a question. The franchise player hasn't been heard from. What you got, man? This is actually kind of off subject. Well, okay. not even kind of. It's actually really off subject. All right, you what's, know? what's up? But it's our show. We can do what we want. Yeah, of course. I'm thinking about basketball and gearing up for summer basketball, mm-hmm. which feels weird. And I guess that may be what it is more than anything else. Summer basketball just feels weird. Is baseball missing? Did not it? it did baseball miss a huge opportunity this summer? I, I think to so. literally be the only thing in people's minds at the time. I, I they're wondering how to market their game and get popularity back. They had a chance to be the only game in town, and they blew it. Yes. No, I, I, now, even I do. If they do come back. They've got to share the stage with hockey and basketball who will have summer action. And you've heard me say this before. I think the NHL pl- playoffs are quietly the best thing going mm-hmm. in sports. Yeah. It's like it. it's, it's hard enough as it is in the month of June especially when you live in a town where the basketball and the football teams are successful month of it's like, you know, April, May, you're excited because it's the beginning of baseball season. So there's a lot, you know, you're, you're, it's brand new. Then like, but then once you get in, once you get into June, when, when, once you start approaching Memorial Day is when you kind of check out on baseball because you know baseball is going to be here all summer. You know, you're watching baseball at the beginning of the season because it's new and it's fresh. It's a new season. Then you get back into basketball and hockey. And then when that's all over, you're back in July. You're at the All Star break. Then you have the trade, uh, the not well it used to be the trade deadline, the non waiver trade deadline. But then you have then then you have August, and you're excited about football. You know, you know football is about to come, but you know you're in you're in that pennant race. So yeah, you know what? Baseball did drop the ball because now you're at the point where you're playing you're playing less games. But you're still, I think the latest proposal from baseball was 75 games. 75 games is still a lot of games. And you're going to be trying Mm -hmm. to get traction while basketball is in the playoff push. There is no, there is no, that, that grace period that, you know, where it's new. You're in, you're, you're fully in basketball. 
You're fully in. You're locked in on hockey. Baseball is there. And the problem is once you finally get to the, it's like, Basketball so, and hockey. So let me ask. Well, well, I'll put it to, real, real quick before you ask the question. Because all I'm saying is, now you're at a point where there is no point. There is no point where baseball will be the only game. Basketball and hockey season are going to end when football football season will be in full swing when basketball season ends. You know, because we're mm-hmm. still we're still operating under the fact that we think that the NFL is the juggernaut and they're not going to lose games. They're not going to lose regular season games. So now baseball is in a point where at no point in time is there any point where baseball can be king. You're hearing progress from the NHL. You're hearing progress from the NBA, and you're at a point where you're still like, you know, NFL is just going to be good because it's the NFL. So, yeah, baseball has shot themselves in the foot. Baseball has screwed themselves over. And quite frankly, it's like, for me personally, and I would love to get your opinion on it, I'm not quite sure who to blame yet. Who's the problem? Is it the, are, are the owners being selfish? Are the players being selfish? Or is there just, is it just, is it is it even an issue of one side being selfish? You know, is there something else other than like who do you bl- who do you blame for the problems that baseball has been having, and why they can't get it together? Oh. And and that was actually what I was about to ask you because my question for you was the the divide between the players and the owners of course, seems to come down to money. And the issue with the money is the players don't want to take pay cuts. Now, the baseball players' union is well known to be the strongest union in sports. So, I have to ask, if the players don't want to take a pay cut other than losing game check, for the games they're not going to play. But they want 100% of their game checks for every game they play. The owners are saying, yeah, we're losing the money for all the games we don't play, but we're also losing another 40% because we're not having any fans in the buildings. So from the owner's perspective, it seems fair to take a pay cut on top of just losing the game checks because mm-hmm. the owners are losing profit on top of, in addition to just losing the games, there's no gate, no concessions, no jersey sales, no souvenir mm-hmm. sales and programs and all of that good stuff that goes along with it, no parking, all those other places revenue used to be generated are gone. I, I, so, I've always struggled with this. The, I've always struggled with this because I feel like the problem with these labor disputes is you're just, you're not sure whose side to take, whether you take, you're taking the millionaire side or the billionaire side, you know, and that's what it always comes down to because it's like, I feel like people are quick to want to take sides and will say, Oh man, the players are being so selfish players being so selfish. How can you feel? How can you feel sorry for a bunch of millionaires? And the problem is, it's like, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but on the other side is not 
the working class fan or you know whatever you know it it's a billionaire you know when when you're talking about you know the grand scheme of things you're talking about a, a bunch of rich people in fact you, you're talk, it, it's you're talking if i if if i may now challenge uh channel my old uh my inner chris rock you're now talking about rich people versus wealthy people you know, it's not rich versus poor; it's rich versus wealthy. But I, 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 I understand, and I guess that's why I, I have struggled with baseball, with where I stand. I, you know, I say that now, and I understand that in sports talk, even when it comes down to to to, to podcasts, you should have a take and you should stick with it. I don't know what my take is on this yet. And I'm having the same struggle, which is why I wanted to ask you that question. Because on one hand, I'm looking at it like, yeah, these owners are billionaires with a B. If they have to float payroll for one season, they'll probably still all be billionaires. That being said, if I'm looking at it from the point of, you know, one of one of my majors in college was business. I do understand how business and finance and economics work. Work. So as a businessman, if I'm losing that kind of share of revenue, I'm looking to cut expenses any and everywhere I can to try to save what I can of this year's bottom line. And that's what any responsible businessman is supposed to do for his corporation. Now, we are in an extreme and rare circumstance where we have to consider humanity as well as just business. But like you said, we're not talking about the regular population. We're talking about millionaires. These guys aren't going to starve if they, the owners say, well, we don't want to lose that money. Cancel the season. Would you be mad if they canceled the, ski, the season at this point? They said, yeah, I would. If, because I think there was room for both sides to have a little give and find a way to make it work. Now, given the circumstances, now you rem- now you remember 1995, not 94 when the strike came, but 95 when baseball was back. And people weren't really, people weren't necessarily rushing to get back to baseball. Baseball had to work to get itself back into the good graces of America. And you know what it needed to get itself back. Yeah. They, they'll they never admit it, but it needed Bonds and McGuire, McGuire and Sosa. Sosa. Yeah. But my question to you is, do you, could could baseball could could baseball canceling the season? Do you think it would it fall? At, do you think the public would look at it as a casualty of the coronavirus pandemic or greedy millionaires and billionaires not being able to work out a deal? Like, would you look at it the same way as you looked at the strike sort, shortened season? Like with the NH, with the NHL and NBA being able to figure out plans 
to be able to play at a time of year where they don't normally play, mm-hmm. I absolutely think people are going to look at baseball in general. They're going to look at the owners and players both. And there will be enough blame to go around from all of them in this one. So you think if ba- if baseball weren't to return, if they were to say, you know what, all right, let's just scratch it, come back next year. You think people would people would treat baseball the same way as they did before? Like, people would be slow to embrace it. You, you think it'd be history? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And baseball, I mean, what a lot of the discussion around baseball been for the last two, three years anyway, ways to just spice up the game, speed up the game, draw more eyes. Mm-hmm. And then when they have an opportunity to have all eyes on them, they decide to argue about money. When everybody, every sports fan knows baseball players get the best money. Mm-hmm. Best money. They have guaranteed. Guaranteed. The best union. Yeah. So for these to be the guys who say, yeah, we're not losing any money during this, even though everybody's losing money. It, you might, while people will still probably blame the owners more. Mm -hmm. I don't think the players won't be blameless. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, look, we welcome your comments. We welcome your opinions. We welcome all thoughts on what we talked about today, whether it be, you know, the social issues surrounding the death of Freddie Gray. Uh, Freddie Gray. See, that's that's how long, that's how far back I go. I said Fred, George Floyd and the aftermath of that, as well as what we talked about with sports, with the return of basketball, the return of hockey, and the return of baseball. Either way, just let us know what you think and hit us up on Twitter, O underscore D underscore discourse. My name is Brown. On the other side, on the phone, is my man, the king of quarantine, Mr. Mike Jones. We call him Jonesy. Hey, uh, real quick, I heard that while you've been in your crib, I heard that back when this whole thing back when this whole thing started they didn't want you that's true but now now we hot now now now, now it's hot now the now it's hot and everybody's coming out their crib just saying forget the coronavirus let's just go back to normal what is happening now you know what now i, I thought they might want me now mm-hmm. but now they need me oh so now you hot they all need you must be a wonderful life hey man y'all have a good weekend enjoy well enjoy television ain't ain't gonna be no sport find some sports somewhere to watch whether it be that korean baseball league or or maybe some soccer something get on your weird or or or, or, I was watching Cornhole on ESPN the other day. Oh, man. You ever see that spike ball? You, you ever watch that? You got you to gotta check that out, man. Spike nah, ball. N- never got into that. Uh, well, you got to give it a try. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll watch it right after you watch Snowball. Oh, oh well, okay. <laughs> All right. If that's where we're going with this. Hey, y'all, y'all take care, man. Thanks for listening. The 
offense, defense, and discourse. He's Jonesy. I'm Brown. Peace, y'all. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.